All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. Uh, thank you for listening again. I know it's been, uh, I, t- I took last week off, had a little family uh, emergency to deal with, so I-, I appreciate everybody's patience and me getting this this new episode out. And uh, I appreciate everybody's participation in our Safe Digging Month Toolbox Talk contest. Uh, it turned out to be really good. Got a lot of people involved, got some prizes out there. So thank you, everyone, for, for participating and, and being a part of that. Uh, but now that the you know April's over and we're we're done with safe digging month, you know it doesn't mean we stop paying attention to digging safely. You know we we still have to have a responsibility to be out there as as you know responsible excavators and, and doing what it takes to protect existing infrastructure and, and get the job done safely. But we're going to shift gears this week, um, and you know this week we've got a another guest with us who is not new to the show, as he called me out for last time, Mr. Carl Vasquez, director of safety from. Nuka Nationals joining us. Carl, how are you, man? Good day, sir. I'm fantastic. It's a it's a nice and warm 75 degree here uh, day here in D.C. and it's going up to 90. So Ooh. we're ready to roll. We're ready to hit the beaches. It's 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 Tuesday, but it feels like a Friday. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a unfortunately a little, little rainy and some severe thunderstorms down here in Nashville today, but we're gonna yeah. we'll get through it. You know, 10-4. the uh, so me, right. me and Carl have been back and forth on the phone a little bit over the past couple of days um, and talking about OSHA. And, you know, we we had an OSHA inspector stop by one of our jobs and, you know, everything went fine. It's, you know, no big deal, but it's got me to thinking, you know, uh, I, I could use a little refresher myself on, you know, how to handle OSHA when they show up and what you, you were within your rights to ask them to do or not ask them to do and, you know, how the foreman on the job site should handle an OSHA inspection and how you should proceed from there. Uh, so Carl, ha- having a former career with, with OSHA, I thought would be a great person to come on and kind of give us a little insight, man. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, look, um, it's, it's, it's just a, you know, when you're dealing with OSHA, you're dealing with a mixed bag of things and, you know, um, maybe, uh, you know, in, in, very much like a magician uh, that goes on YouTube and starts disclosing all of the secrets and then he gets all the hate mail. Well, you know, I suspect that I'm going to be the bad boy in the safety world and uh, uncover a lot of uh, the things that people may not be aware of in this podcast. So, um, you know, first things first, you know, Matt is right. We've been going back and forth and having a a a very candid discussion about um, about this whole process. And one of the things I said to Matt was, um, you know, when you, when, when you have it, when you have a compliance officer show up on your site, you don't know what background they have, but in, I would say in 80 to 85% of the cases um, and I'm being, uh, I'm being conservative. I, th- I, I do believe that it's higher, but given that this is all going to go that, you know, that this discussion is going to go out to the world here, I'm going to be conservative and say 80 to 85% of the people of the compliance officers that go through training, um, at OTI OSHA training Institute in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Um, that's where both federal and state OSHA compliance officers get sent for training. Some of them uh, do in-house training. I've seen it uh, in the state of Maryland. Um, um, in, in fact, I walked in 
I walked in on a class once um, in the state of Maryland, and I was kind of surprised uh, uh, that they were doing it there. But, but you know, good for them. Um, but the point here is not all of them, a good number of them, do not have a construction background. And you'll see how that little bit of information is going to drive the way that you interact with an OSHA compliance officer going forward. Um, so let's start off with the, with the very basic, uh, process of what it means to have an OSHA compliance officer show up on your, on your site. Um, the first thing that that compliance officer has to do is, uh, 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 prior to beginning the, prior to the, to beginning any inspection is they have to have an opening conference with the company that is being investigated, right? So it's an opening conference. That means that that compliance officer is required by law to present credentials and explain the inspection procedure. Okay, so they have to present their credentials, show their picture ID. Hopefully you, you, you get a business card out of it. Um, and they have to tell you what it is that they're stopping for. So the first thing you want to do is you want to restrict admission to the job site. Or if they're already at your job site, you want to, uh, uh, um, you want to stop that opening conference or inspection process from even beginning until the appropriate management personnel are present. So if you are a foreman uh, and your work and your, you know, and your workers are in an excavation and they're digging um, and you have an OSHA compliance officer show up, uh, you know, and they identify themselves, the first thing you want to tell them is respectfully, not rudely, but respectfully say, sorry, sir, ma'am, uh, but I, I, I can't allow you to be on the job site until my manager gets here. Um, I'm going to, if you would allow me uh, two minutes to give them a call and I'll update you on when they will be here. Uh, but right now for your safety and ours, I need you to sit, I, I, you know, I need you to stand over on this side, on uh, this side of the job site or on this side of the safety cones until our manager gets here. That's the first thing you want to do. And in the meantime, you want to stop everything that you're doing. You want to stop work until that manager gets there and is able to speak with uh, that OSHA compliance officer on what it is that they observed, um, why they stopped, et cetera, et cetera. And then they can have the opening conference with management. But having an opening conference with a foreman, with one of the workers, that's not a good thing. And so even if even if there's a competent person on site, because it's a requirement, you must have a competent person on site. That's correct. You, you want to stop that conference. You want the competent person should ask them to step off the job site because they're not aware of the hazards until management gets there. That is correct. And not only not only are you doing that for uh, not not only are you doing that for your safety, but you're doing that more importantly for their safety. You know, remember that um, when an OSHA compliance officer steps on site. There are, you know, and, and you're dealing with an excavation and you're dealing with um, uh, replacing 
um, uh, pipes, conduits, electric lines. Um, they, they, you know, there, there's FR rated clothing, fire rated clothing that has to be worn as part of your normal PPE. And I can bet you a dollar to a donut that none of those compliance officers are going to have that, uh, that fire rated clothing on them, not even in their vehicles. So, um, it's important for you to stop them dead in their tracks and ask them politely and respectfully to wait in an area that is not close to the job site. Um, they can view the job site all they want from that area, but they can't be in the vicinity of the job site because they don't have the proper PPE. Sure. So, so for, you know, the foreman on site or the competent person who steps up to talk to the ocean person, OSHA knows that uh, this is part of the drill, that we have the right to ask them to step off until management arrives. So as long as we handle it in a, an appropriate manner, we're not rude and we're polite, then that's not going to ruffle any feathers. Absolutely not, because they expect it. They expect it. You know, and in fact, when 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 you don't when when you don't assert your right to have them wait until management gets there or the director of safety gets there or the director of operations get there, that's when they become a little more emboldened. I'm not saying this is the case for all of them, but some of them uh, see that as a as a as a as a blank check to begin the inspection and, you know, start finding what they're going to find. So it's important for you to, you know, again, assert your right to have them wait for management to show up. And again, they can, they, they, um, you have about, you have up to an hour, uh, for that manager to show up on site and respond to the complaint or the inspection. So, um, that's the first thing that you want to do. The second thing you want to do when the manager already gets there, um, determine the reason for the inspection. You know, there are, um, there are three types of, ins there, there are three ways that, it, that an inspection can be generated, three or four ways. The first one is a complaint, complaint-based inspection. Uh, two, fatality-based inspection. Three, targeted inspection. And targeted inspection means that uh, you're on a list that the government uh, generates for the Department of Labor OSHA. Your company's name is on there. The dollars, the dollar value of the project is on there, um, and you know, and 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 it's just your turn. They don't necessarily get to the entire targeted list, but you know, um, if your name is on there, you 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 can definitely get a get a justified visit promotion. Uh, for media-based inspection, you know, from a press report of a fire, explosion, incident, um, or uh, number five, I said three or four, but it's actually five, um, you know, um, a referral. And a referral can come from a building inspector. A, re a referral can come from a police officer, from a fire department. So um, those are the five types of inspection. Th th those are the five ways that an inspection can be generated. So how does the, the national emphasis program play into that? So if you have a national emphasis program or you, so, you know, otherwise known as an NEP or an LEP, local emphasis program, um, if for, for as long as I've known, for as, for as long as I've been affiliated with OSHA, uh, falls have been on, on 
falls have been an emphasis program for many years now, obviously, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, falls are the number one cause of uh, fatalities in in our industry. Um, recently, um, excavation and trenching um, uh, got on that list. Um, and again, it, 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 the, the local and national emphasis programs are typically always going to be one of the fatal fours. So uh, struck by, caught in between, uh, electrocution, um, falls, and um, uh, um, excavation, trenching, confined space. So uh, the, 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 it, it's, it's always going to be one of those four. So when, when there is a national emphasis program, you know, they don't, they, if they see it, they're kind of obligated to stop and check it out. If I understand it correctly. Uh, they're kind of obligated to do so, but don't, they don't always do it. Um, um, they don't always stop. I mean, I remember when I was with OSHA, um, if we had, if we, if we were out for, you know, five hours of the day and we saw um we saw someone that was ev- that 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 was clearly working without fall protection uh then we then we would definitely stop but after being out for that amount of time if we saw roofers on a roof and it was unclear as to whether they had fall protection on them or not um you know you could see them with their body harnesses but we were too far away to actually see them. Would we turn back around and, and do that after having been out in the field for that long a time? Um, you know, I, I would say sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, okay. uh, but then again, remember that for every report, for, for every inspection that you generate, there's a report that comes along with that. And that report is a pretty lengthy report. Um, uh, they have to put it into the computer system um, uh, which, which generates, uh, the formal report, um, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, you know, and then you go from there. So, but yes, generally speaking, you are right, Matt. Um, they, they, they are required to stop if they see a fall hazard, they are required to stop if they see an excavation and trench hazard. Um, you know, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, third thing you want to do the third thing you want to do is you want to obtain a copy of the complaint. You know, so most inspections are the result of an employee complaint. Someone, you know, an employee that feels that their company is not taking care of them or looking after the, their well-being. Um, so the compliance officer should provide the employer with a copy of the specific complaint. So you do get that. It won't have the employee name um, on the document, but it will have the nature of the complaint. Um, I can tell you some funny stories about that, but we've got a, a, a number of other items here that, um, that we need to cover as part of the, uh, uh, as part of the uh, inspection process. Yeah. Um, you know, the fourth thing you want to do is you want to distinguish whether the inspection is related to safety or industrial hygiene. And that's a pretty simple one to do, you know, um, um, they'll just tell you right off the bat, you know, we're here because there's a concern about silica or we're here because we uh, observe the fall hazard. So, you know, obviously two very different things. Um, and, you know, if, if, if the inspector is an industrial hygienist, 
it's likely that that inspection will focus on issues like noise monitoring, air sampling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so so that's that's the fourth thing. Um, the fifth, which you know, I haven't seen very many of these um, in my career, and I certainly I, I maybe saw one or two of these uh, while I was with OSHA, but uh, whistleblower whistleblower protection inspe inspections or whistleblower complaints. Um, you know, certain OSHA inspectors in each area are assigned to conduct investigations into all types of complaints. Uh, that allege discrimination, retaliation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important again to just understand what the nature of the of the of the inspection is, so that you can respond accordingly and get all your ducks in a row. Um, this is something that Matt and I discussed uh, at length uh, yesterday. Number six: um, designate an employee representative. You want to have one voice, one message, one answer for all for anything dealing with OSHA. So, you know, inspectors, OSHA inspectors are required to ask uh, for the participation of an employee rep, or if it's a union, the chairman, the shop steward, et cetera, et cetera. If, uh, if, if, if the facility is non-union, then, uh, you know, you can choose the safety director or the vice president of operations, et cetera, et cetera. But there should only be really one person um, speaking to OSHA in concert um, um, with the team that's behind that individual, uh, but never more than one voice, uh, because you want to make sure that the, the, the message is consistent. Um, the other thing that you want to do, um, seven, seven, the other thing you want to do is you want to limit the scope of the inspection, you know, define the areas that the compliance officer will need to see and confine the visit to those areas or departments. Under no circumstances should you offer a plant tour because you're basically saying, okay, here you go. You know, here's your opportunity to get me on everything uh, that's, uh, that's under the sun. And again, like I said to Matt yesterday, you know, Matt is a law-abiding citizen, tax-paying citizen, uh, so I've been told. Uh, but, you know, if he gets stopped by a police officer, and um, uh, and that police officer says, uh, hey, Matt, may I check your car? You know, uh, unfortunately, the answer is no. What's 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 your what's the what's the purpose for wanting to search? the? You know, what's what's your purpose for wanting to search my vehicle? What did I do wrong? Please explain to me what I did wrong. Um, and and so for that reason, you also don't want to let an OSHA inspector just walk the entire facility. Uh, because it's all the more that they can get you on. So for most, uh, you know, you know, for all inspections, make sure you escort the compliance officer to the targeted area via a route where they are least likely to notice safety violations. Now, I say that, and you're probably thinking, man, Carl, you know, um, you're the director of safety for uh, for a for a for a national association, and you're saying that now. Yes, I am saying that, but I'm also going to tell you that your job site should always be clean and safe. So you shouldn't worry about um, an OSHA inspector noticing any violations because your job site should be safe. But if you know that you have a and you know a, a supervisor that um, you know that sometimes tends to lag behind 
um, then you want to be wary of that. You want you want you want to be wary of that, and you want to make sure that you only limit that compliance officer to where uh, where they're interested in um, in 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 taking a look at your job site. Um, number eight. Whatever photographs and videos the OSHA inspector takes, you want to make sure that you do the same. Do the same, okay? Because um, because you, you want to see what they see. And I would I would say number ten, you know, debrief employees following any OSHA interview. Um, you have the right as an employer to uh, to sit in on any OSHA interview with your employee. Um, uh, but, you know, but if the employee requests to speak with OSHA on their own, they are also free to do that as well. Um, you know, so when they, so when the OSHA inspector conducts employee interviews, um, uh, it could be private. It could be, it could be a, in conjunction with their supervisor or their union rep, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and then you want to make sure that you talk to your employee about, hey, um, you know, um, are there any concerns that you have based on the the uh, questions that OSHA asked you? Is there any is there anything that I can clear up? Uh, is there anything I can clarify? Um, so you know, those are I would say those are the those are the ten things that 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 are important for you to uh, keep aware of, and then. Um, last but not least, you know, the closing conference, remember that we said that there should be an opening conference. There should also be a closing conference. And, you know, and again, it is a law that OSHA inspectors are required to conduct a closing conference immediately following, uh, the conclusion of their investigation. So, um, it's a, so the closing conference, again, is an opportunity to promote the company's safety programs and commitment to uh, safety and health. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that there is much, um, um, I don't think that there's a lot of value in, uh, telling the compliance officer at the end of the closing, con you know, you know, during the closing conference, Hey, you know, we've, uh, we won a silver platinum award from the ABC association and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it can't hurt. It can't hurt to tell you know to toot your own horn and and um, and then provide the compliance officer with that documentation uh, uh, to show that you were truthful about what you said. So um, I would say those are the those are the important things, Matt. Okay, so let me let me ask you this: When it comes to the closing conference, do they have to title that part of it the quote closing conference or is there any specific language you should be looking for from them to know that you are in the closing conference yes sir there is and you'll never hear it uh you'll never hear it executed the same way by all compliance officers it's always different i've heard you know when i used to do inspections i would say um you know, good morning. I'm Carl Vasquez, and I'm here to conduct a, a, an opening conference based on uh, based on based based on the local emphasis program, based on a national emphasis program, based on a complaint, based on a referral. But there's some people that will say, "Hey, I'm here to conduct an opening conference, um, and I need to speak with a competent person." 
So, you know, two very different ways of saying it, but, you know, it gets, you know, it, 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 it checks the box. So they have to tell you that they are conducting an opening conference and that they're showing you their credentials. They have to tell you that they're conducting a closing conference um, so that, so that, so that they can explain to you um, uh, what is going to be forthcoming, how many days you have to respond to a citation, should you receive a citation, um, et cetera, et cetera. All these, all these things are crucial um, uh, uh, for them to tell you, and that only happens during the closing conference. Okay. Okay. No, that all makes sense. So mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a lot of info to take in. <laughs> it is. It is, you know. Um, and then, you know, if you receive a citation, if you receive a citation, know that there are four types of citations. There's other, which is the lowest OSHA classification um, uh, defined as not likely to cause serious injury. There's serious, which is the most common form of citation and classification as any condition that uh, can cause serious physical harm um, as broadly defined by OSHA. Uh, the, the lowest maximum, uh, um, uh, the, 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 the maximum penalty for a serious citation is 7,000. Um, uh, a repeat violation uh, carries a, uh, a, repeat car- uh, a, a repeat violation is probably, it, you know, it all depends on how they structure it in the, in the computer system, but it could be 15,000, it could be 21,000, uh, depending on on the percentage increase that the OSHA compliance officer may attach to that, and then, um, but the maximum penalty for a repeat violation is seventy thousand dollars, and then willful—that's when they throw the book at you. But willfuls are very, very difficult to prove, uh, so you don't see very many—you you, know—you don't see very many of those tossed out, um, tossed out in the uh, tossed out in the arena. But uh, serious is the most um, common type of citation. But, you know, once you once you get the citation, you've got 15 business days to respond. You can choose to go in for an informal conference or you can contest it. My advice, my advice in this case would be to uh, request an opening conference, um, request an opening conference uh, well before your 15 days are up. And if you get nowhere in the informal conference, contest it and take it to the OSHA Review Commission, which is the OSHA court, uh, because the chances of you getting uh, uh, a fair hearing uh, is far better there than it is in the informal conference. In the informal conference, you're at the mercy of that, of that regional office or, or that area office. Um, and it's, you know, it could go great. It, you know, it could go, you know, it could go bad. I've seen both. Um, so my advice again is take the informal conference, get into a discussion with them, show them what you got, um, and go from there. But if you don't like the result, contest it and take it to the OSHA court, uh, which is a whole different bag of, uh, of uh, circumstances, but you know, I think I think usually you do get a fair shake 
um, when you take it that route than not. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And one thing I will say is that in my experience, you know, with Nuka and, and with team is, is that the ocean guys are generally not out there to get you, you know, they're, they're out there just doing their job and they're usually pretty fair to work with. So, you know, like yeah. you said before we got on here, don't have the oh shit attitude. It's OSHA, <laughs> not OSHA, you know, so. Uh, yeah, no, no. You know. I think I think most OSHA folks, like you said, Matt, are are are, are decent and they mean well. And um, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them do their job with a with it with an enormous amount of passion, an enormous amount of passion. Uh, but, you know, like in every profession, you have your bad apples that are going to you know, give you a $2,000 fine for having a, uh, for having an electrical cord that, uh, is out of service. Uh, when I was in, uh, when I was in the ranks, um, I'd look at a situation like that, look at the contract, you know, I'd, I'd look at the contractor and I'd say, Hey guys, you know, could you please just cut that up and throw it away? And they were like, Oh yeah, 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 sure. I meant to do that this morning. And they'll come out, you know, they'll come out of the truck and uh, they'll come out with a new uh, cord and off you go, you know, but I've, I've, I mean, it, it's, it's tough when you have some OSHA compliance officers that, um, that, that just throw the book at very small contractors and can potentially put them out of business. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's, that's the only thing that I didn't like, but I will tell you, uh, like you said, Matt, most OSHA compliance officers mean well. They take their jobs very seriously. They're very passionate about what they do. Um, so, you know, that's that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the part of the, a lot of time contractors don't know is that OSHA inspectors have a standard that they have to live up to when they're doing these things, just like we do when we're doing the work. You know, there, sure. there's rules and regulations that govern the way that they do these, those things as well. And I think that's a part that sometimes people don't pay attention to. They just think OSHA's out there just willy-nilly writing citations and that that's not the way it works you know they've got a job yeah. to do and they've got standards to live up to just the same as we do absolutely and they've got a job to do you know and you know it's you know what i give that what i give that two thousand dollar citation to a contractor who uh who exhibited care for their employees and when i interviewed their employees they said yeah you know um you know we we've been to training every month we have toolbox talks every week no, you know, the answer is no, I won't, I won't give that citation up. But if that citation uh, uh, is with an employer who shows an utter lack of disregard for safety for their employees and their employees actually corroborate that, then you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to be given that citation for two grand for not having the right electrical cord or safe electrical cord. Because, uh, you know, that that's, that's what it's there for. The citation is there to enforce safety regulations and you know it's just like speeding on the highway you know um you know uh, uh every time you see a a, a a police officer pulling someone over for speeding it makes you think say hey you know i need to slow down you know carl needs to slow down because i don't want to get a ticket so it's that um you know that's not that's certainly not the best way to modify behavior but it is a very effective way of getting someone to think twice about something that they shouldn't be doing. Sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, man, like I said, that was, that was a lot of info to take in there in a short amount of time. So I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, sir. I'm looking forward to the next one. 
Yeah, man. I, I know we, we keep every time we come on, we come up with another topic we need to do one of these things on. So it's uh, uh you're becoming a regular guest, man. Yeah, I, you know what I was, you know, it, it's it's funny. Great minds think alike. I was just thinking along those lines, Matt. And I think that um, the next time I do a podcast, I'd like to hear you say something, you know, you know, uh, not not something along the lines of, uh, you know, our, our our regular guest at this point. But, you know, uh, 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 a veteran of the a veteran of the Nuka podcast or a veteran of the team's podcast, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if you could use the word veteran, I did. I I think I'd go for that. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll work that in next time, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. This was awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. All right, guys, and with that, Carl has left the recording, and I just want to say another big thank you to Carl for coming on and, and being a part of this and, and being so willing to do it so regular. It's been uh he's always a wealth of knowledge when he does come on and you know, I think that's one of the benefits that everybody um uh, needs to be talking about when it comes to nuka is all you gotta do is call these guys up carl uh doug uh bob chris uh ron peterson evan wyman all you just call these guys up and they're there for you uh, due to either working for nuka or their affiliation with nuka and so many other benefits that i'm not even getting into right now you know you can just call up people from your chapter or nationally and ask them questions and it's awesome but uh, one of the first things I think Carl mentioned there, I think, is uh, very important. And that would be the fact that if OSHA shows up, that the guys on the ground, the foreman in charge, the supervisor on the ground, whoever it might be, does not need to take that inspection on alone. You have the right to politely ask them to step off the job site because they have not been briefed on the hazards and that they've been instructed by the company to wait until a supervisor or safety person or vice president, whoever it is that's designated to come out and take care of these things, arrives on site and you have up to an hour to get there. So that is very, very important and vital in my opinion. Um, so keep that in mind. And with that, guys, we'll do a few uh, chapter updates on upcoming events. Um, so for East Tennessee, still working on pumping up those two committees they've started, their safety committee and their workforce development committee. They've got a chair for the safety committee and need more volunteers to get in there and spread the word on safety. And then they're working on still putting together that workforce development committee. So get in there and get, get helping, get pushing, and let's uh, see some of that uh, moving forward. Uh, then here in Middle Tennessee, uh, got this uh, Saturday. The soccer game is scheduled for this Saturday if you wanted to register for that. Um, right now, there's no one registered, so if you want to register, hurry up. If you don't, then we may choose a different date. Um, we also have the uh, trifecta luncheon that we're trying to schedule a date for with uh, TDEC, TDOT, and, um, and, and, you know, just trying to pull the schedule together for couple of different commissioners is a little difficult so we're hoping to get that uh, scheduled and set here very shortly uh, and then washington summit coming up here soon too uh, going to be another good one it was virtual last year so this one will be virtual as well it turned out really well last year so we're looking forward to another great one uh, and then as always uh, you know check your weekly emails plenty and in more info in there on that on all this stuff um, than i can give you right here so 
Uh, I'll wrap it up right there, guys. Uh, stay safe out there. Keep digging, Tennessee.